Welcome to the AdaptX podcast, where we have discussions with individuals who are building accessible businesses or products, advocating for inclusion, or excelling in adaptive sports. Our intention is never to speak on behalf of those with disabilities, but rather to amplify their voice, ideas, and learn strategies to scale our impact and help other businesses become more accessible. Today, we are joined by Jaden Movald from New Zealand, who is an elite Paralympic athlete and a member of many committees uh, that strive for a more accessible future. Uh, Jaden, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to have a chat. Uh, I think I will I will allow you uh, to give a little bit of a background, um, who you are, uh, what you compete in, and then we'll dive into uh, some more details. We have we did a bunch of research on uh, some of your athletic career, but I'll let you uh, give a little bit of insight into uh, into who you are as an athlete and an individual. Yeah, sure. So. As you said, um, my name is Jaden. I am from New Zealand. Um, I am a competitive wheelchair racer. I've actually been involved with sports for most of my life. I've done basketball, hand cycling, triathlons, gymnastics. I was a competitive swimmer for many years. And then in 2019, I switched from being a competitive swimmer to now being a competitive wheelchair racer, where I currently hold uh, numerous New Zealand records. And I've competed overseas. And I hope to one day reach the Paralympics. Uh, 2028 is my goal. Um, so uh, training hard for that. Uh, but besides my sports, I'm also quite heavily involved within my community. I'm on a range of national committees advocating for disability rights and for more inclusion within a disability space um, and, and within a wider um, national space as well. Um, yeah, so that's me. How did you first get introduced to sports or kind of did you have um, people that represented your disability in sports that you looked up to? Uh, did you have friends that competed? What was kind of your introduction uh, to swimming or whatever sport you initially started with? Yeah, so I have been involved with sports or I've seen sports from a very, very young age. My parents were uh, involved within sports, so they kind of got me into it. But then also watching it on the Paralympics well, it was a huge motivator for me. I, I remember going to the uh, 2012, um, well, when the 2012 Paralympics happened and the team came back um, into New Zealand, I remember going to the airport and welcoming them in and seeing their gold medals and seeing all of their achievements and watching them on TV. And it kind of inspired me that, hey, I could one day do this. And so um, that's when I was like, actually, let's make this reality. And that's when I got into my swimming, or well, I continued my swimming, I pushed really hard in my swimming, and then I found uh, wheelchair racing, and um, yeah, I guess from seeing uh, the Paralympics from a young age really inspired me to push for that goal. What led you to kind of switch from swimming predominantly to wheelchair racing? Yeah, so swimming, for me, uh, it, I kind of lost the passion. Um, I mean, I, there was a little bit of classification issues. Um, I was put in a tougher classification, in a a higher classification than I probably should have, uh, which made it a little bit hard to compete um, internationally. Um, And then I found wheelchair racing, and I was like, actually, this is a sport that I can really, really enjoy, and so that's when I decided to make the switch. Do you have a specific distance uh, that you seem to excel most at or that you enjoy the most? Yeah, so... For wheelchair racing, for those that don't know, you normally do 100 up to marathons. Uh, so you do basically everything. Uh, for me, I 
prefer the long distance, so the 5,000 is, is my favorite distance. Um, I tend to do really well in about 800 up, um, so, but the 5,000 and the half marathon are my favorite distances to do. Wheelchair racing as a whole has become more popular in marathon events in the States. Uh, is it also have a presence in New Zealand races as well and, and just recreational marathons? Yeah, unfortunately not. Unfortunately in New Zealand there's not a lot of wheelchair races. Um, there's, there's about four, three or four of us that compete. Uh, and so I have to go overseas to actually get that competition, whether it be Australia or whether it be um, Europe, like Switzerland. Um, there's not really many, or there's no specific wheelchair racing events in New Zealand. There's no marathons um, that, that are just wheelchair racing. Um, but that's why I have to go to Australia and that's why I have to go to Switzerland. Hopefully one day, hopefully when I go to the Paralympics or as my career uh, goes on, I can inspire more people to get into wheelchair racing and we can make it bigger in New Zealand. Uh, but nah, currently in New Zealand, it's not, it's not that big. Do you think traditional marathons would let you participate as a wheelchair racer? Yeah, so in, in New Zealand, there are a few uh, marathons and some of them have been really inclusive, like the Waterfront Half Marathon, I've done that a couple of times. Um, some others, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a struggle, um, um, but overall they are quite inclusive and, and they try to make it happen, which is quite cool. But I mean, I am then competing on my own because um, I am uh, quite faster than, than the able-bodied um, in some respects uh, in some of the races, and so I am r racing on my own, so that's why I do have to go overseas to get get that actual competition yeah absolutely yeah it's something where i wonder if uh sometimes braces not being more inclusive or accessible is because of concerns from the race directors in terms of like safety considerations um in your sense there you were mentioning that there's not other competition for you but i wonder if you would still be allowed to participate just as the only wheelchair racer, I don't know if that would incentivize you to do so in any way. For us, we run for Team Hoyt, so I run marathons pushing a wheelchair, uh, pushing another individual in a wheelchair, and sometimes we're the only other wheelchair duo at races, and sometimes to me, like, that's motivating, because um, I like running against the people that don't have chairs uh, and competing against them, but uh, it might be a little different situation for you. Like you said, the push rims, uh, the elite push rims are going to be faster than than most able-bodied runners so yeah i mean there there are some events in new zealand like there's the um the 5k event um the night of fives uh, is an event that i like to do every single year where i am racing the elite the top top runners um there's no wheelchair i'm the only wheelchair racer that does the 5ks um but being able to race the the, the elites is pretty cool because yes we are sort of we, we used to be sort of around the the same speed and so at the end, it was, you know, who's the fittest? Who can get over the line first? Um, whereas now it's, um, can I lap them? How many times can I lap them? Which uh, it is quite cool. And, and, uh, yeah, uh, it is one of my favorite events, the uh, 5K Night of Fives um, in New Zealand. Um, going back to the inclusiveness, um, most of them are, are inclusive and I do get to race on my own, which is quite cool. Do you know who, or will New Zealand have anyone representing them at, uh, like, Paris 2024, do you think, in wheelchair racing? Um, unfortunately not. Uh, I think most of us uh, who do wheelchair racing are aiming for 2028. 
the qualifying times for wheelchair racing are really tough. It's one of the hardest, or it is the hardest classification in terms of para-athletics. And so um, it, it does take a bit to, to get those times. And you, you even see um, guys who are, or guys and girls who have a really long career, they go into their 30s, their 40s, even somewhere even in their 50s. And I'm only 19, so there's not really that much of a rush. Um, I, I I do believe 2028 is the is the goal. Uh, 2028, I, I have high hopes for 2028. Um, yeah, just not 2024. It's a little bit too close, but uh, definitely 2028 and beyond. Do you already know what the qualifying process will be like for 2028, or does it change from year to year? Yeah, or... I mean the the times I think potentially could change. Um, it's highly unlikely. Uh, but in terms of, of New Zealand selection, I think it is pretty standard. You've got to, you know, take, make top 20 in the world or top 50 in the world uh, for wheelchair races. I think I'm not quite sure on, on that selection at, at this stage, but um, it's pretty stock standard. You, you've got to get a, a certain ranking in, in New Zealand to be able to go to the Paralympics. And you've also got to make those qualifying times. Is the uh, location already determined for 2028? Or? Yeah, so that is in uh, LA, I think. Oh, is it in the States? Awesome. Yeah, it is in the States, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, the States have some awesome marathons that I, I really, really want to do one day, like the uh, Boston Marathon. That's one of them that I, I've had my eyes on for since 2019, since I started. Um, so I'm excited for it. I'm in Massachusetts, so um, we're we're about an hour from Boston here, um, and I'll be running Boston for the first time this April. So, looking forward to that environment. It'll be awesome. We always go and watch um, from mile nine with one of my friends who has spina bifida and is an aspiring wheelchair racer. And uh, so, mile nine, like there's a big downhill, so she always loves seeing like the wheelchairs like zip by with how fast they're going. And she's yeah. been a huge McFadden fan forever, so. It's, uh, it's cool to see them compete, but um, do you think your kind of diverse background in various sports uh, contributed to you quickly becoming successful with wheelchair racing? Like, I would imagine there was a good amount of carryover from swimming to wheelchair racing. Yeah, definitely. I think swimming really brought me that engine, it brought me that fitness, um, it brought me that VO2 max that I definitely wouldn't have had if I didn't have that prior experience within swimming, and also within my other sports of basketball, hand cycling. Um, gymnastics, etc. Um, yeah, d- definitely having that extra extra experience has helped me excel um, more in in the sport. And I, when I did switch from swimming to uh, wheelchair racing, I wasn't starting from the beginning um, in terms of fitness, which really really helped me to be able to fast track um, my success. Uh, so you are diagnosed with spina bifida. Would you be able to give the listeners like a little bit of insight into how that presents for you, kind of like symptomatically, and how it affects your your motor skills and uh, your motility? Yeah, definitely. So I I've had disability all my life uh, since I was born. Like you said, spina bifida. Um, I am paralyzed um, from the waist down. Uh, I do have a little bit of feeling in in, in my knees and above. Um, but yeah, I, I use a wheelchair every day to get around. Um, and there are, there are a few other uh, medical, um, stuff going on, uh, but paralysis is the main one. So I have to use a wheelchair to get around in my day-to-day life. 
How did that affect uh, your experience growing up from like a school standpoint? Yeah, it definitely affected me a lot. I mean, you do have kids who are really inquisitive. Um, they really like to know what's going on. They really, if they see something that's really out of the ordinary, they like to ask questions. And so when I was at school, I used to get a lot of questions. I used to be bullied for being different. Uh, but I mean, everyone's different. You kind of just have to, have to go with it. You kind of have to just ignore them, continue on your, your trajectory, continue think about your goals, think about what you want to achieve and try to push that, those extra voices uh, to the side. Um, but yeah, having a disability, uh, especially when I was younger, was quite challenging. But I mean, I think it's made me a better person. It's made me, uh, I guess that's kind of why I do lots of stuff in the community. I don't want other people to experience the same things I did when I was younger in terms of being bullied, being discriminated against. Um, so all those challenges I did go through have made me a better person now. Yeah, absolutely. Is there, um, is, I would imagine sports provided, uh, a really important outlet. Um, was it, was it always Paralympic or adaptive sports or were you able to participate in, um, some of the more, I guess you would call it traditional sports or just with able-bodied athletes, um, were you able to participate in sports with, with other populations or does New Zealand have a pretty thorough, like adaptive sports offering? Um, at school, when I was like at school, young when I was younger, I mean, in doing like PE classes and doing school sports, I was with able bodied my able bodied peers, and I guess it was quite cool to be able to mix together. Uh, it, although it can pre uh, present a lot of challenges, um, and especially a lot of accessibility challenges um, and how that to run the events. Personally, I prefer to be with people. Like me, I prefer to race against people who had disabilities. Um, when you talk about able-bodied and disabled together, it can get a bit challenging with how do you do it. Um, in New Zealand, I don't really, I haven't really seen it being uh, executed well or, or really well. I mean, I've seen it happen a few times when able-bodied and disabled are mixed within a sporting environment. Um, but it, in New Zealand, it is quite separated. For most of my life, I've just enjoyed being with other people that are like me. Yeah, and there's definitely reasons. And like you said, there's uh, there's probably some confidence and uh, just relationships that you can form with people that have similar experiences and similar lived experiences um, that other people can't necessarily relate to. Uh, what does the what does a typical like training look like for you now between? time in the chair versus time in the gym. Um, could you maybe break down like what a typical week looks like? Yeah, definitely. So I either train, so when I'm in my chair, I either train on my rollers. So in my garage, my roller is where my chair can sit on and I can push in one spot or I then train on the track. Um, and I do that maybe five or six times a week. And then I would have a gym or two gym sessions in, in, at the gym. Uh, with two different instructor, instructors, one would be focused more on strength and fitness, one would, and then the other would be uh, focused more on mobility and um, stretches and flexibility and that sort of stuff. Um, during the season, I would spend more time on the track, whereas in the off-season, I would spend more time um, getting my keys up in my garage or my rollers. Absolutely. Have you found that um, the strength training uh, has helped you from like a performance standpoint or 
uh, is it specific track sessions that seem to be most beneficial? Yeah, so the more the strength stuff and the fitness stuff, I've really ramped up in probably the past two months um, since having this extra um, instructor or, or personal trainer. And so hopefully in the next season, which is in a couple of months, I'll be able to see a, a lot of improvement within that. Um, but yeah, the, the gym, the gym stuff that I do do, I do see a lot of of improvements within within the track. Um, but the different sessions I do, um, yeah, I do see a, a lot of progression between the off season and during the season. Uh, if I do the correct um, program during the off season, then you definitely do see a lot of improvement. Yeah, we'd like to probably assume that if you can increase your strength, then it would be able to increase your the power that you can put into the chair and how long you can sustain a certain percentage of that power. So um, it's definitely a blend of the two. Have you have you dealt with any shoulder injuries or have you had to navigate any anything from an injury standpoint? I've been really lucky in terms of injuries. Um, I haven't really had uh, many, many problems with that, and that. I mean, you'd have a niggle once in a while, um, but it hasn't really stopped me from, from still training. Uh, the things that have stopped me from training would be my hospital visits, would be my, my surgeries. I have had a lot of surgeries and a lot of hospital time since starting in 2019. Um, so health-wise, yeah, there, there have been a lot of a lot of issues, but I mean, not a lot, um, not too much, which is good. So I haven't lost too much fitness. Uh, but in terms of injuries, none, not too many. So I've been really lucky. Um, and I, yeah, I hope to keep it that way. I mean, wheelchair races, you, for wheelchair races, you do get quite a lot of injuries, especially a lot of shoulder injuries. Um, but I think if I do the right things in the gym, if I take it easy with my training, don't overdo it, uh, I think I should be all right. Um, but that, but if, even if I do get an injury down the track, I'll just deal with it then and, and create a plan on how to get back faster. Yeah, absolutely. If um, so, if a personal trainer, a strength and conditioning coach, was um, about to start with a, a client with spina bifida or a wheelchair user, how do you think they should approach that first session? Or what would you want to see out of a personal trainer if you're going to them for the first time? Yeah, that is a good question. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of personal trainers over the years, and they're all really different. Um, my advice would be get to know your patient uh, or your your, um, your person. Uh, that's really, really important. You don't really want to smash them out the first session or the first couple of sessions. You really want to know how does their disability affect them um, and then make a plan from then on. Um, and then also do regular checkups and be like, hey, how the how is this exercise uh, feel? Are you sore anyway? Because um, you never know, um, the, the person you're dealing with may uh, find something really uncomfortable. But then also, um, the biggest advice I'd have is don't be afraid to push it a little bit. Um, you, you really want to get the best out of your athlete and you want to get the most out of their athlete. And so just having that communication between both the athlete and um, the personal trainer is really, really important. Um, and don't be scared to push those boundaries because when you push those boundaries you get better athletes absolutely yeah we sometimes sometimes see like two misconceptions maybe is that people think that disability is synonymous with injury so they tend to 
treat those clients like rehab or they try to they kind of underdose or they undertrain them uh, and a lot of the stuff that we want to demonstrate is like when people with disabilities have the proper support that they're able to train just as hard as their non-disabled peers uh, so I think you're you're spot on with that but it it comes from like you said the communication between the coach and the athlete getting to know them on a physical level but also like a a social emotional level like what they're willing to tolerate not everyone's going to be a paralympic athlete um, but that doesn't mean that their goals are any less um, than those that are aspiring for competition so uh, one of the i mean we see sometimes personal trainers are afraid if, if they don't have exposure to disability they might be afraid to like say something wrong or do something wrong uh, so kind of like easing into uh, that first experience but I would imagine that most of it can just be resolved by having conversations. Yeah, definitely. And it's also important that it's not just about what you do at the gym. It's also important what you do in, in the day-to-day life. So whether that's, you know, creating a program they can do outside outside of the gym when they don't have um, those sessions. Um, because I, I don't believe one session a week is probably enough. You uh, people in wheelchairs, they're already susceptible to, you know, hospital visits, being really, really sick. Um, so just continuing your your, um, your plan outside of the gym is also quite important. Do you find that most gyms are accessible or inclusive? Or if not, what do you think they need to do to better accommodate people with disabilities? Yeah, so for me, I've found my personal trainings to other people, so I've been really, really lucky. But I have heard stories of people being turned away, um, especially those that are part of the blind community. I, um, I've had heard a lot of stories of them not being able to be allowed in the gym. And I think a, a way to overcome that is, is, like I was saying, the relationship between the athlete and the personal trainers it's also important to have a relationship between the gym and the athlete on how can we best assist you to get the most out of your fitness goals. And I think having that communication is quite important and having that openness as well is, is, is crucial. Um, and having those uh, first meetings of, yeah, you have the, these extra challenges. Yes, you may be blind, but how can we best assist you um, to achieve your, your, your fitness goals? Um, so openness is quite important. Yeah, you've, so you've been introduced directly to organizations that support people with disabilities, but I would imagine that um, some people, wheelchair users, um, other young adults with spina bifida, they might just assume that gyms aren't for them, or they might be hesitant to go to a facility where they might not be supported. So um, from the gym standpoint, maybe making more of an effort to promote themselves or advertise themselves as inclusive and accessible. But it's also understanding, I guess, what you need to do to support people with physical and intellectual disabilities. So. Outside of sports, do you have uh, specific like career aspirations or anything that you want to work on outside of, of wheelchair racing and, and the volunteer and the committee work that you do? Yeah, definitely. So I'm on a num- n- number of committees in New Zealand uh, with the main goal of making a making a better lives for those with disabilities and my goals for that is just to continue what I'm doing and hopefully um, create more opportunities for people with disabilities to succeed in in New Zealand and also not just people with disabilities but also young people or, or people in general um, there is a, a quite a lot of 
differences between those with disabilities and those who do not have a disability in New Zealand. Um, so just to minimize that that gap as much as possible is my goal, and that's something I'm going to continue and strive to do um, for a very long time. In terms of um, my career, I am currently at AUT University or Auckland University of Technology in Auckland um, in New Zealand, and I'm studying psychology. Uh, and with that, I'm hoping to become a psychologist once I complete that and maybe work with young people. That is the main goal, or I could potentially become a sports psychologist. I'm still working that out. I'm only in my second year, but I think once I um, continue that and get further on in my degree, I'll, I'll figure that out. Um, yeah. Is that a four-year program? Is it similar to how the states are structured? Yeah, so that's a three-year program, actually. Um, but I'm also going part-time because of my sports, um, traveling a lot, and then also having been on all these committees. Um, so I am going part-time, which will take, take it a little bit longer. Um, so maybe five or six years, but normally it is a three-year program. Uh, was it switched to like remote learning or did you have to deal with some of that stuff with COVID or were you still in high school, I guess, at the beginning of the pandemic? Yeah, so like you said, I was in high school um, at the beginning of the pandemic. And, uh, I did have a lot of remote work at home, uh, which was uh, a little bit challenging. I, mean, I think that. I've heard uh, a lot of other students probably struggle a little bit more than me, but yeah, it, it was quite challenging being at home, but I mean, I think it made us better, it may, may allowed us to adapt, and it, I think if it were to happen again, we'd be way better at it. Uh, ultimately, what do you, um, like, what do you want our listeners to know, I guess, about adaptive sports or supporting athletes with disabilities in general? Um, what can we do to make both fitness and, I guess, sport more accessible and inclusive? Uh, do you have any specific recommendations or thoughts? Yeah, um, a couple of things. First one is is just to think that, just to keep in mind that not every athlete is the same, um, and that you know doubles when you have someone with a disability. So get to know your athlete, um, encourage them as much as possible, push them as much as possible, but also understand their limitations also understand how their disability affects them but fitness is really important and with with having a disability uh, it it comes becomes even more important and so we really need to you know push for we need to um, promote fitness for people with disabilities we need to talk to people with disabilities and see how we can get involved get them involved within our programs how that we can we um, improve their quality of life but i think fitness really does that um, it's just finding that way to reach those people. Um, another issue that, that I have found, especially within New Zealand, is there are these extra barriers that aren't really being addressed as much as they can be, uh, whether that be um, accessibility such as transport or like other general costs, like maybe gym costs, um, costs um, to do the sports. And so finding ways on how to limit those um, challenges, whether it be grants, scholarships, uh, funding opportunities uh, is also quite important. I think once you get rid of those things, especially the transport um, subject, um, transport is quite difficult, especially if you have a family with people with disabilities and you have, only have one parent, which is really, really common um, to have those extra grants that they can access, I think would increase 
the opportunities and you'll probably get more people you know being involved with things that is gyms etc you're you're working on uh one of the committees for uh was it capital projects <laughs> for accessibility yeah. Or, or yeah what does that consist of or what does that focus on yeah, so that committee focuses on how can we make Auckland more accessible and whether that's um, in uh, bathrooms, whether it's uh, in, in just kind of general buildings, um, the capital projects. So, so there's two different types of committees or there's two different committees. I'm on the one that's about infrastructure. So how can we make our buildings um, that we're planning on making, how can we make them as accessible as possible so that when they are built, we're not going to make as many changes as we potentially may have had to make prior to any other building. Um, so that 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 group focuses on mainly on infrastructure and and pre planning. Are there uh, are there organisations in New Zealand? You mentioned grants and funding uh, being a barrier. Are there organisations that provide support for individuals with disabilities to participate in sports or fitness? Yeah, there there are. Uh, uh, a few, I mean, it, it could be increased uh, quite a lot. Um, a lot of them uh, uh, provide grants on maybe uh, sessions on, on paying coaches. Uh, there, there's not a lot on uh, funding on how do, do we get the person from their house to the sporting place. So whether that's with uh, transport, there's, there's hardly any on transport uh, whatsoever. It's mainly in the facility, how do we get in um, grants so that they can participate? Um, not how can we get them from the house to the swimming facility? And that's something that I'm, I'm trying to push within my community. Um, but yeah, there there are quite a lot of grants out there for people with disabilities in terms of um, sports. Um, but yeah, no, it can be improved quite a lot. Yeah. Even if there are these grants, they're also they they seem to be quite long. Um, and that's something that you get with disabilities. You've got to and absolutely everything about your life to be able to access the money and so a lot of people just give up um, at the beginning because they can't be bothered or, or it's just really really challenging and they don't have the time to, to provide all this evidence and so that's why a lot of our grants are underused yeah you have to look at accessibility as not just i guess the physical space but everything else that goes into participating in a program like you said the transportation and also the, I guess, the emotional support and the socioeconomic status of the individuals and how that can be providing a barrier um, that needs to be addressed. So those are all uh, important considerations that aren't unique to New Zealand. Um, I think they're, they're pretty consistent across, uh, and we definitely see it in the States here as well. Uh, but Jaden, looking forward to following along for the next four or five years as you work your way to uh, 2028 games. Um, if they're coming to the States, maybe uh, we can make our way out that way. And if you ever, uh, if you find yourself at the Boston Marathon, you'll have to let me know because yes, we're not far from there. You can get a training session in here. Uh, hopefully I'll be running it as well so I can see you there. But appreciate you taking the time to talk and, and sharing your uh, your wisdom and your expertise with with our audience and um, I'll include links to your pages and stuff in the show notes so people um, can follow along there if they're interested. Uh, but again, I really appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, I've had a great time and it's been really awesome to talk to you. You're, you're an awesome guy and it's pretty cool uh, to be able to talk to you and share my journey and share my, uh, my story with you all and yeah, I've had a great time. <laughs>